for me is it's, it's as much a journey of of self understanding as it is about leading others. Um, and you know, I, I just believe the more that you understand yourself, the, the the easier it is for you to to help others. Um, and uh, in their journey, right? Because we're all on a journey of some sort. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wise and Addicts podcast. Uh, I'm glad to have here a new guest with me today, uh, Scott. Scott is a director of Integrator integrated swine and poultry technical services at Merck. You guys are going to uh, learn a little bit more about his story very soon. And for you that is joining us for the first time, uh, this is a podcast that aims to be a platform for business and communication and other leaders uh, within the livestock and ag industry to share their thoughts, their experience, so we can raise the bar in the industry, you know, share um, what we know and make the industry, you know, a better industry. Uh, I'm your host, Ricardo. My background is actually in design and communication. I've been through some different industries so far, and now I'm adventuring myself, diving into the ag industry. So welcome, Scott. It's glad to be here, Ricardo. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, Scott, uh, we we like to start our conversation with a you know a brief introduction on our guest. So, can you share a little bit uh, about you? Absolutely, yeah, Dr. Scott Stellick. Uh, I am currently the director of Integrated Swine and Poultry Technical Service for Merck Animal Health. Uh, I am just completing my third year uh, here with the company, and uh, it's uh, it's been a fun ride. I've uh, I get the opportunity to work with some really uh, uh, interesting folks, some some highly uh, sought after experts, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, my background um, prior to coming to Merck, uh, I spent about ten years in swine production uh, in various roles of health and, and management and leadership uh, for uh, the Mashoffs as well as a small company called M two P two. Prior to that, I was uh, in private practice uh, veterinarian uh, up in Northwest Iowa and Hartley and Spencer Iowa. Um, and uh, veterinarian uh, degree from Kansas State University, uh, uh, animal science degree from University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and uh, grew up on a small diversified farm down in southeast Nebraska. Uh, so I've spent my, uh, spent my career and life uh, really here in the Midwest. Awesome, awesome. Um, and Scott, with uh, all that background and uh, your different experiences, uh, what would be your you would say are your top three experiences in life so far and please be you know be be free to share either per, uh, personal or professional experience sure sure um that's a good question um i guess if i sort of step back and think about the totality of it um uh you know probably shaping me as a human as i sit here today being a father uh being a dad and a husband um, teaches you a lot of things about patience and humility and, and, uh, perspective, uh, when you see your children do things that you did as a kid or as a, as an adult. And, uh, you know, sometimes you look in the mirror and, and, uh, you know, realize exactly where that came from. Uh, but, uh, that, that's obviously a, a huge part of my life. Uh, you know, professionally, I would say, you know, I've spent 21 years in veterinary medicine and swine production, uh, at health and production and, and, um, uh, 
Uh, I've really had an opportunity, you know, stepping through my career, you know, first starting, you know, in a practice that, that really helped a lot of family farmers, you know, that, that uh, uh, you know, were born on the, the land and, and uh, grew up in the operations and expanded them and, and uh, uh, really, you know, taught me how to be a veterinarian and uh, um, gave me a lot of experiences and frankly, a lot of opportunity when I wasn't ready for it. Um, you know, they had a lot of faith in me before I had faith in myself. And uh, uh, I really appreciate those producers, you know, for giving me those opportunities to grow and learn as a as a young veterinarian and, and finding my way and, and uh, uh, have been fortunate in my career to, um, I, I think, you know, we've, my wife and I have made some very thoughtful moves uh, geographically uh, as we've moved around the Midwest for various opportunities and uh, also had opportunities within the companies that I worked for to to take different roles, move up, um, and and really, you know, kind of starting, you know, more boots on the ground, and eventually, you know, to the point that it was more boardroom work than than barn work. Um, but through that progression, really allowing me to understand uh, firsthand uh, what it takes to be a successful hog producer. Um, what it takes to be successful in, in disease mitigation and prevention uh, and, um, uh, you know, how to understand the economics of swine production. Uh, so uh, that certainly has shaped my career immensely. Uh, and I would say the third thing, you know, really has been, you know, more in recent history in the past 10 years, the opportunity to, to lead people and lead teams um, to the point that, uh, you know, I've become a board certified executive coach. Um, I've, I have a lot of, I've uncovered, uh, found I've, I've a lot of passion for the subject and, uh, uh, I really enjoy working with individuals and teams and, and helping them develop and helping them grow. And, and, uh, uh, it's really, uh, as I've become more patient, uh, and, and able to, you know, observe a lot more the, the older I get than, than when I was a younger man that, uh, uh, I really find a lot of personal enjoyment uh, in in helping others grow. Awesome, awesome. Those are really shaping experiences, uh, you know, farther than uh, all the experiences uh, as that. Uh, uh, but one called me my attention specifically, and uh, that's since the, the, the first time we met, uh, which is, you know, all this people development related uh, aspects of your work, right? And one of the reasons why it called my attention is that I think it's very challenging, right? Uh, as we evolve from individuals doing our things, having to focus on specific outputs that we can uh, generate through our efforts when it comes to, you know, uh, making a group of people work together to accomplish those, uh, you know, bigger goals, uh, bigger things. Because that's another thing you only accomplish big things when you work with other people if you're working alone uh, it's it's not the same thing so this is uh, one of the things that uh, i would like to focus our conversation today uh but just before we jump to that part of the conversation i would like to ask you so looking at the work you do today if your parents were analyzing and uh seeing it how would they describe what you did today um It would be an amusing answer, I think. Um, uh, back when I was still a practicing veterinarian, my dad used to say, and, and my, I have one older brother, and he was a pharmaceutical salesman, a human pharmaceuticals. My dad used to say, I have one son that sells drugs and one son that uses them. Um, and uh, 
So that was sort of his tongue and cheek joke back then. Dad's passed now. So, um, but mom, I think mom would say that, you know, I, uh, I sell farmers medications, you know, for their, for their pigs. Um, and, um, not an incorrect statement, uh, in my current role. Uh, that's what, you know, that's what the team does. That's, you know, we work with, with producers, uh, you know, and, and try to help them understand where our products can be a benefit to them. Right. And, and, uh, uh, but, um, it, you know, really it's, it's a lot deeper than that in that, you know, really what the team does is, is, you know, we work with producers to help them solve problems. Right. And, and whether that involves our product or doesn't involve our product, you know, our, our core goal is to help them be successful. Uh, so I think that, I think that's what they'd say. I know. Absolutely. Uh, I think our mother, uh, answer somehow it would be accurate, but as you mentioned, there's many more things involved in that, right? It's not only about, you know, selling a product. And I mean, you are, if you, if we look at your job title, a director of integrated swine and poultry technical services, right? Uh, but at the end, and your uh, your background is in uh, animal science, veterinarian. Uh, but at the end, most of your work is about people, not animals, right? Can you uh, share a little bit of your journey so far, and what led you to become uh, uh, to to go through this path and become a certified coach? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, uh, you know, from the time I was a very little kid. Um, probably a story not unlike a lot of other veterinarians you'll talk to. You know, I, I always wanted to be a veterinarian, right? I loved animals. I loved being on a farm and, uh, you know, was, was good at science, was good at math, and it just became a natural progression. Um, and, and then you actually, you know, go through school and you become a veterinarian and, and uh, you know, you're out, you know, and, and you start to, to really um, enjoy the ability to help, right? Um And uh, beyond helping the animal, right? It's it's about how do you help the person? How do you help the family? How do you help the the farm, the producer, the the production system, whatever it might be? Um, and that's very very rewarding. And um, I found, you know, in my career as I progressed, that uh, I sort of reached a stage where I didn't feel I was challenging myself uh, to the degree that I should. Um, and I, I didn't really, I couldn't quantify it. I really couldn't put my finger on what that meant. Um, and, um, so I, I, um, you know, made a change and, and went into production. Uh, and, um, uh, as I, you know, spent time in, in, you know, swine production and had the opportunity to start leading teams. Um, that really was the first time that I understood that that was the, the itch I was trying to scratch. That was the piece that was missing for me was, was this opportunity to lead teams. Um, and, uh, you know, I've probably made every mistake you can possibly make trying to lead other people. Um, and uh, I'm still making them today. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, as you, as you do it more and you start to, um, you know, help really green individuals that, that maybe don't know, you know, the particular task at hand or don't have all the background and, And you, and you work with them and you teach them and you develop training programs. And then you start to see them teach others um, in the manner that they were taught. And they start to use your words and they start to reproduce your actions. And, it, and it's this real sense of fulfillment that, um, you know, you're witnessing growth, right? And um, uh, so 
as I've gone through that, I've, I've certainly become much more a student of leadership. Um, and, um, I enjoy reading, um, uh, that's kind of my airport, uh, as I, you know, travel in planes and spend time in airports, it's generally clunky to get a laptop, laptop out and try to do any work. So that's where I do a lot of reading. Um, but, uh, uh, I enjoy it. And it's really, for me, it's, it's, it's as much a journey of, of self-understanding as it is about leading others. Um, and you know, I, I just believe the more that you understand yourself, the, the, the easier it is for you to, to help others. Um, and, uh, it, in their journey, right. Cause we're all on a journey of some sort. Um, and so through that, uh, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, really, I guess about two years ago, there was a conversation going on internally here and we were talking about, uh, executive coaching and somebody said, you know, who would want to do that? And I kind of just like at that moment, I'm like, well, I, I think I would. Right. And, um, uh, I've, I've been fortunate that I've had uh, a, a previous uh, a mentor who became an executive coach and he, you know, really um, has been a great resource for me and helped me throughout my career. And so I really sort of in a pay it forward sort of an idea was, you know, how do I continue to improve my skills? Uh, and uh, so uh, I went through, uh, you know, and, and uh, went through training to become certified and, and uh, you know, took the exam to become board certified. And, and uh, um, again, it's, it's a journey. It's another step along the way. And, and uh, um, it's, uh, you know, just like veterinary medicine, it's practice. Right, we're we're always practicing. We're we're never we're never perfected. You're always trying to improve your craft. Uh, so that's really been you know my journey that 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 led me you know to take those to take those steps. Beautiful. No, that's that's great. And uh, you've been doing this now uh, for a while, I guess. And you mentioned that you know you faced different challenges when uh, uh, and probably did some bad choices uh, when you first started trying to lead teams. But you know, through this time, you've been through uh, helping people to de develop develop themselves. You know, develop their leadership uh, capacities. Uh, you probably started to see some patterns. I imagine. I'm not sure. You know, but you know, in the mistakes they were doing, or I don't know the approach that they they choose, the path that they choose to follow. Uh, what in your in your in your experience, what would be the most common challenges? That you see individuals facing uh, when they're trying to, you know, develop their personal or their professional lives. Yep, I would really say probably, um, you know, three things. If I was going to boil it all down, um, and I think first is is really um, um, most people, myself included, until you're given the opportunity, you really don't. Uh, understand why you behave, how you behave. Um, and so using behavioral assessments that are out there, and there's a whole myriad of them, right? Um, um, whether you use, uh, you know, Insights or DISC or Myers-Briggs, uh, uh, all the above, right? I mean, there's each one gives you, you know, a little bit different picture of the same, different angle of the same picture, right? But for most people, it really, you know, first kind of starting to understand um, you know, we're 50% wiring and 50% environment, right? Genetics times environment is phenotype, right? As I sit here in the chair today as a scientist. So I do things that, that you know, uh, we all probably to some degree do things that we learn from our parents. Uh, and some of that's probably hardwiring and some of that is probably learned behavior, right? Um, 
but really starting to understand what drives you to do the things you do. Why do you behave the way you behave, right? And so that's probably point one. Point two being a sort of an offshoot of that, but really is a, I would say, is a, a lack of self-awareness. Um, and, and that lack of self-awareness leads to blind spots. And so we all have them, right? It doesn't mean that there's anything broken. Uh, everybody has blind spots. It's things that we, we maybe we think we're better at than we really are. Or uh, maybe we think that um, uh, we really need to work on something when, you know, the, the feedback that we get is, is that, hey, you're really talented at this, you're skilled at this, you know, and uh, we don't accept that, right? And so it's, it's a, you know, understanding those blind spots uh, because that's where no different than driving a vehicle, that blind spot is where you can run into problems, right? Um, and then um, I would say the third thing, interestingly enough, is the, is the um, what got you here won't get you there. Um, a lot of people are afraid to continue to evolve or transition from where they've been. They, they reach a point of success or comfort or growth, and they're really reluctant to leave that spot, right? Or as they do, they try to continue to use the same tactics, right? And the same behaviors that got them there when really they need to change, right? Uh, and so most classically, you think about this like a, uh, a role transition, a promotion, right? And so you take someone who's a really good individual contributor, and now they lead a small team. Um, but leading that small team, they're still doing all the things they did as that really great individual contributor. And they're telling the people what to do, or they're doing it themselves instead of leading that group, right? And that's sort of the classical, you know, sort of inability to make that transitional step. So I would say in, if I was going to boil it all down, that, that would probably be the three components I would see most often. Yeah, I was in that position uh, where I, I went from an individual to leading a small team, and it was kind of a disaster. <laughs> Not a complete disaster. I think I learned a lot with it, but... Uh, I think my profile also, I'm one of those persons, you know, based on this and I don't know, co-train that's other tools that we use to understand, you know, our profile. Uh, I'm, I'm a person that tends to avoid conflict, right? And that can be also an issue when you're, you have to lead teams and you need to be sometimes, you know, uh, a little bit stronger and on your position and, uh, charging people for, uh, results and this kind of things. Uh, and, you know, around this subject and the, the second point you mentioned, you know, self-awareness, knowing who you are, your limitations, your capacities, uh, do you have any tips for the audience on like, how can our listeners, our audience, you know, uh, start knowing themselves better, start improving their self-awareness tools, tips anything. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that we're pretty good at fooling ourselves at times. Uh, and I think that if we really just peel it back and look at ourselves in the mirror, be extremely honest, I think most of us understand our limitations. Um, but for whatever reason, right, uh, fear or pride or ego or whatever, we, we choose to either ignore them or just leave them on the shelf and, and not, not address them. Right. So I think that's step one is, you know, really being honest with yourself. Right. 
um, and recognizing that it doesn't mean you're broken, right? We all have limitations, right? There's, uh, I learned in the Lominger leadership competency system, and there was 67 Lominger leadership competencies. Everybody has a top third, a middle third, and a bottom third, right? Now, they, they'll shuffle around who's is who's, but everybody has a bottom third of things that they're just not that good at. Um, I'm five foot nine. You can tell me all day long to dunk a basketball. It is not going to happen, right? So um, patience. Um, as I sit here, patient, I am far more patient than I've ever been in my life. Uh, and patience is still one of my worst competencies I have. Uh, I am an impatient person. Uh, and I learned that from my father, and I'm sure it's hardwired there as well. Um, but it's understanding that. It's learning that. Um, so I think one is being honest with yourself. Two, you know, there's a lot of great tools out there uh, in, in a 360 feedback uh, sort of assessment. Uh, there's lots. There's Genos. There's, you know, DISC. There's, there's all kinds of them out there uh, that are relatively affordable. Um, and, uh, are easy to, uh, easy to get done where you ask, you know, your boss, your direct reports, your peers, your customers, uh, your family, and you ask them for, you know, they go through a series of questions and they rate you on these, on these questions. And from that, it helps you understand 360 degrees around you. How do people see you? Right. Uh, and that's where you help to learn blind spots. Um, but honestly, those can be, just as well done, frankly, uh, with selecting a group, those same group of, of people and asking them for, uh, to, to, to write down in a forward meeting, right? Don't do it in the moment, but hey, can we meet again in two weeks? And will you write down feedback for me and tell me, you know, tell me three things I do really well and three things that you wish I did better, right? And I've, I have never come across an individual that was not willing to give very honest feedback when somebody asked for it in a very humble and open manner. Um, we're, again, I think, you know, we're, we're a, as a species, we're a pack animal, right? And, and we want to support the community. Uh, so it's, like I said, I mean, people are more than willing to help, particularly when, you know, those people that you select to do that are, are people, you know, they're friends, they're colleagues, there's a high degree of trust. Um, and it's, it's really just a matter of asking the question. Awesome. No, those are good, good tips to start. I try to be honest with myself, but I think lots of the problems, they lie. I don't know if actually I'm trying to think now, uh, in my case, if it's, uh, Lack of honesty on the on the <laughs> on the things that I think I'm not that good, or maybe they are blind spots. But for sure, there's always you know always a room for improvement, and man, it's 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 challenging. It's challenging, but I and like it. Ricardo, more times than not, actually, what I see is people who are harder on themselves than what that peer group tells them that they are. They feel like they're not as good at something, and people around them say, "Hey, you're really talented at this." Uh, more times than not, that's what I see is that people actually tell you you're better at something than you think you are. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's I know the the word in Portuguese. I'm trying to remember uh, in English how it's called when you start sabotaging yourself. Like, hey, I'm not that good. The imposter, imposter, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. So 
let's say uh, I'm trying to improve myself in life with my family, with my wife, uh, at my work. Uh, I'm starting to see my, my limitations and I'm trying to work on that, right? I'm trying to be better uh, every day. Now, actually, let, let me uh, bring this more to the professional side. I'm trying to be the best I can uh, at work, right? And I'm always charging me, being hard on myself, like, hey, I can do better. Uh, I need to develop like these and that that I've done. It's not, it's not good enough. I need to do more. So we see a lot of people. Oh, actually, I don't know if it's happening more today or it's just people are talking more about this. But a big thing that people are talking about today is burnout, right? People getting stressed at a point that they will um, actually get sick because of that. Like, uh, really, like uh, physically sick because of that. Um, can you share uh, with us like how, how can I say this? Uh, how can you? How can those people find that balance? Uh, you know, between their uh, personal lives, their professional lives, uh, find a balance so they can have a better, uh, better health. That you know, stay with a better state of well-being. Let's call. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, common. I think at some stage, a lot of us have struggled with work-life balance, as they say, right? Or, or life work balance, however you, you choose to look at it. Um, and if, if there was an easy answer, I think it, that folks would just do it, right? I mean, it is a difficult, uh, it is difficult to tackle. And I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, right? I mean, you don't like to raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm underwater. I've got too much going on. I'm too busy. And uh, you, you don't want to be the one to let the team down. And so you just, you just keep doing more, right? And um, you know, that has consequences on, on health that has consequences on personal life and family relationships and lots of things. Um, I think, you know, where do you start? Right. And, and one is a recognition that, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the place that I'm not going to be in a good place or I'm already in a, in a not good place. Um, you know, uh, I think it has to start with a discussion with your boss really about workload and, and, you know, if we're truly if we're truly overworked, right? Maybe there's an opportunity to help. You know, f- for for my boss to help me become more efficient, right? Or the things that I'm doing that are unnecessary, uh, that you know I'm spending my wheels, spending time that I don't need to spend, right? So maybe there's an opportunity there. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity for someone else. Uh, you know, can something come off my plate onto someone else's plate, right? Um, and um, Honestly, one of one of the tactics that I've uh, I've learned and I and I coach on is, you know, if you're already at a state of full deployment, your your plate's full, you really can't take on anything else, and somebody comes to you, your boss or peer or whatever, and says, "Hey, I need you to do this." Um, I always answer, "Yes, absolutely." What would you like me to not do? Right, because I can't just add it in, so. If this is a new higher priority, then what's now the lowest priority that I can stop doing, right? Because I'm, I'm out of time, right? And so it really brings those prioritization com- uh, conversations to the forefront before you get into um, the, the, the burnout stage, right? And I see a lot of times um, 
you know, that, that folks say, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll get it done. And, and they don't. And why don't they? Well, they're just, they're out of time. They're stretched too thin. Right. Um, and so rather than, you know, somebody counting on you to do something that, you know, you, you're not gonna be able to do it or you're not gonna be able to do it well, right. Have the conversation up front before you start down that road. Um, and, and, and I'm going to say the other side, and this is just for me personally, and, and I'm, I'm just going to share for me, um, I really struggled with this whole work-life balance thing until I allowed those lines to blend. And what I mean by that is, is before that, I tried to keep, okay, this is work is work and life is life, and I'm going to keep those things separate. And, and that, I really struggled with that. Um, and for me, you know, the advent of cell phones and, and you know, having email on a phone you know, I can, I can easily check an email, you know, on a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning or, a, you know, Tuesday at 8 p.m. or if I'm off for the day or whatever, I can easily check an email. It takes a couple minutes of my time um, and I can, you know, it allows somebody else to continue their workload or whatever. And I don't have a stack of them waiting for me when I get back to my computer. And that has been actually relaxing for me. That makes it easier for me to find a balance, Right. And so I guess my point is that I think that there's, you know, don't get caught up in the tra- traditional definition of work-life balance. Find what works for you because there's lots of other ways to, to, to handle it. Perfect. Th- this is a concept that uh, my boss, uh, uh, he, t- he talks about. There's, yes, you can look at a life-work balance perspective or you can look at a life-work integration, isn't it wrong? Life life-work integration uh, perspective, which is exactly what you were mentioning, right? Uh, being available, having that, but also having the flexibility to other times to what you, you know, not necessarily work-related things. Uh, it helps you, you know, exactly as it, as you said, maybe reading two emails d- during your weekend or something like that because it's a little bit more urgent or because you need to do it, it will, you know, save you from uh, even more stress when it gets money morning and you have that pile of things to, to, to do. So it's also an interesting, interesting topic to go after. Right. Um, so I have uh, another question. So we talked about identifying your limitations. At, well, actually self-awareness and uh, understanding who you are. We talked about how, uh, how to, work for your development still keeping your well well like your your quality of life your health uh now thinking about this continuous learning opportunities continuous growth uh do you have any tips or like methodologies or tools for people to implement in their daily lives that can help them you know going after this development uh, and making it, you know, to be a better person day after day with the small steps instead of, hey, I'm going to take two months to do an immersion uh, in the middle of the jungle, <laughs> you know, so or choose, because I, I know there, uh, I'm exaggerating here a little bit, but there's, there's a lot of different tools. If you want to do meditation, for example, there are those places where you go for more than a month or you're not talking to anyone, but thinking about routine, everyone has a work. They have uh, competence, competences, things that they need to do. And at the same point, they need to 
they either need or they want to, you know, improve what, who they are. How they apply that in their daily routine. Yep. I think it's important, like any other goal, you, you have to start with what specifically is my goal and by what measurement, right? So I can say, I want to be a better person. That can mean a hundred things to a hundred people, right? So um, if I say, I want to learn to be more patient um, with my children, that's very specific, right? And so I think it's important that you start with what is a specific goal and then how are you going to measure it, right? I mean, hey, January 1st, I raise my hand and say, I want to lose 20 pounds, right? I'm, I'm one of those guys. And somewhere usually by, you know, hopefully by February or March, I'm still on the journey, but there's highs and there's lows. But, you know, how are you going to measure progress, right? And maybe that's, maybe that's something as simple as a scale, Right. Um, or maybe it's um, seeking out uh, seeking out someone who is uh, is is in your corner, somebody who's rooting for you to, to to succeed, right? And maybe you say, "Hey, once a month, I want to have a conversation with you, and I want you to give me direct feedback on how am I doing with this goal, right? What do you see my behaviors doing?" Um, give me an example where I've done something that's new that, that worked and maybe something where I missed it, missed an opportunity. Right. Um, but I think kind of having those thoughts of how am I going to, how am I going to actually do this? Right. What does it look like? Then I think it's important to write it down. Putting words on paper forces you to commit to them. When it's just an idea in your head, it's easy to let that idea go. When you write it down and put it on paper, you're committing to it, right? Um, then if you want to up the stakes, up the ante, inform people of what your commitment is, right? Hey, I am going to, my goal is to be more patient in, in our meetings, uh, our, our weekly meeting, right? And so these are the things I'm going to try to do. And, and when I'm not being patient, I would like you to call me on it, Right. And so you can sort of up the ante and bring others into your journey to help you along the way, right? Um, the, the, the last thing I would say, and, and um, I don't think it's just me, but one trick that I use for myself is that um, the brain is an amazing organ and it's very easy to fool. But simply writing on a piece of paper and leaving it on your desk or you know, pinning it to your board or whatever it might be, something that you see that you know, on a very frequent basis, put it on your mirror in the bathroom. If you're trying to lose weight, stick it on the refrigerator door, put a picture of yourself with, you know, just your underwear on in the refrigerator door. It'll make you less likely to go have a piece of cake at nine o'clock at night. Right. Um, put it somewhere where you see it. Right. And it's a constant reminder. And it's, it's that draw back to what did I commit to? Right. Um, and then it makes you consciously decide whether or not you're going to keep the commitment or whether you're going to go against it. Right. And so just having that visual cue a lot of times is enough to really help you start making those, those steps. And the last thing I'll say is don't pick, you know, 10 things that I need to go work on, pick one or two and, and make real substantial progress against those one or two, and then reevaluate are those still the one, the one or two I want, or do I want to, do I want to bring something else on the list and put this one away? 
Yeah, I, I think it's Warren Buffett who tells about that. Hey, you know, put down your 25 goals, things you want to accomplish or do. Check who are like, organize them by by uh, order of priority. And then you risk all the, you know, you save the first five and risk the other 20 because those are the ones that uh, are important to you, right? So I need to focus that. Don't want to become the superhero from one day to the other. Awesome. And uh, just for us wrapping up now our conversation here, Scott, um, I believe there's a lot of people that are interested in their self-development or, you know, developing themselves as leaders or even becoming, you know, uh, a coach or a person to that we will help others to develop themselves. Do you have any piece of advice for those people on how they could start uh, their journey? How What are the first steps they, they could take to do it? You bet. Um, I love the word journey because it is. It's, it's, it's absolutely a journey. The hardest step on any journey is the first one. So it's just getting started, right? Um, inertia is a real thing. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. If you start moving, you'll continue. So find those one or two things, right, that, that you want to work on and start small, right? Um, don't pick what you know is going to be extremely hard to change, right? Pick something small. Get some wins, right? Um, and just like we talked about, write them down. Uh, involve others in your journey. Uh, recruit people to support you. Um, it's it's easy enough to find. They're they're everywhere if you just ask them. Um, and and um, you know it needs to be a very intentional and conscious effort, right? Change doesn't happen by accident. Change happens through intention. And so you start. You you have a goal and and you work towards that goal. And every day you take a step. And some days. That step is backwards, right? But recognizing that and understanding it and learning from it propels you forward. Awesome. I like the first, you know, put yourself in movement. It will keep it will keep going up after you do it. And start small. Uh, when I wanted to learn how to play a guitar, everyone told me, hey, buy a guitar, a cheap one. There's no, like you're learning. There's no reason for you to, uh, buy an expensive guitar and start with uh, nylon strings, not like metal steel or metal ones. Yep. Well, I did exactly the opposite. I've never learned the <laughs> how to play the guitar, so I might buy a new one now with nylon strings. So my my fingers can't accept that. Right. <laughs> so yeah, those are good pieces of advice. Uh, and then Scott, last advice that I want you to uh, give to our audience. Actually, it's not an advice, but books, suggestions that you have. You bet. You know, incredible books you've read, uh, useful, and that you love, that you would like to share with our audience. Yeah, yeah. I, there's there's a number. Um, again, I think, you know, we're all, we all have our own journey, and we all have our own shortcomings and demons and things we work on. And for me, uh, a very uh, impactful book uh, in my journey of self-awareness, uh, was a book called Triggers by Marshall Goldsmith. Um, and um, uh, much to your question, your previous question about, um, you know, how do you make daily steps? 
in that book, he talks about daily questions. And so you write a list of questions, 8, 10, 12, that you score yourself on every day. And you just do that over and over and over. And eventually you either say, okay, I'm going to do something about this or I'm going to stop asking myself this question, right? Because I'm not making any progress. So I'm either going to start doing something to make progress or I'm going to let it go. And I did that for about six months. And after that, all I had to do was carry the piece of paper in my, in my backpack with my laptop. And I didn't have to do the questions anymore. But I just that piece of paper as a visual reminder um, was very impactful for me. Uh, the other thing from that book is, is there's a component in there where he talks about uh, asking yourself, you know, at this moment, am I willing to engage to lead to a positive outcome for the other person? And the important part is the positive outcome for me because I'm, I'm action oriented. So it's really easy for me to engage. Um, but sometimes it's easy for me to engage to tell somebody what they did wrong or what they should have done differently or whatever, right? But then, especially when I do with my children, um, but the whole, am I willing to engage to be a positive outcome for them? When, you know, you think about a kid who's, you know, making a mess all over the house at nine o'clock at night, you know, and, and for them to have a positive outcome, it's better for me to just not engage at that point because it's not going to be positive for them. Right. And so it's my problem. I need to deal with that. So that was very, very impactful for me in my, in my journey, in my development. Um, I would say another book that, that, uh, for any, you know, uh, really any leader and frankly, any, any team member, uh, Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. Um, you know, all of relationship is built on trust. Uh, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter what relationship you're in, in the absence of trust, nothing good is going to happen. Uh, and so, you know, really, again, very intentionally and cognitively, how do I think about building trust? What are things that I can do, you know, to proactively work on putting deposits in that trust bank account? Uh, and so I, I think it's a great book. Uh, and the last one for me um, is uh, General Colin Powell. Uh, his book, It Worked For Me. Um, I think he is such a stellar example of, of selfless leadership. Uh, in his career, and he and he's very eloquently speaks and and writes about it. And uh, uh, I think he's got a list of thirteen behaviors in that book. Uh, it's a, it's a fabulous fabulous book. Awesome, awesome, uh, Scott. That was what we had uh, for today. Uh, I like to, well, I, I would not say I like the books because I I didn't uh, read any of those yet. <laughs> but I like the suggestions. Uh, it got me. Got me interest, interested. Uh, so, Scott, uh, my final question is, where can our listeners and followers find you online? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Scott Stelic. Uh, you can also send me an email, scott.stelic and merc.com. I'm happy to connect with you. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on. We appreciate the opportunity on having you. Uh, so to everyone that was listening to us until now, we appreciate your company uh, and we see you on our ne uh, next episode. Bye-bye. Have a good one.